and welcome to Kingdom's Cornerstone News, the very first newscast produced for citizens of the kingdom that will have no end. I'm Jamie Kiever. Today is Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. We start today in Afghanistan where Taliban rulers face tough economic and security challenges as they step back into power in a very different Afghanistan than they left 20 years ago. Back in the 90s, Afghanistan was a poor agricultural nation and the Taliban were preoccupied with imposing their harsh brand of Islam on a deeply traditional but largely compliant population. Now they're inheriting a more developed society with a small, educated middle class, but also a ravaged economy, thanks in large part to corruption and war. Over to Israel, where Frontier Alliance International is reporting the U.S. military shot down two drones launched by Iranian-sponsored militias towards the U.S. base at the Erbil Airport in Iraqi Kurdistan. The airport is a regular target of the militias, who are acting on behalf of their patron, the Iranian government, to drive coalition forces out of Kurdistan. Iran is also a major patron of the Taliban, which it used to drive the U.S. out of Afghanistan. The Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps is also the main sponsor of Hamas, the terror group which continues to terrorize the people of Israel with rockets and oppresses the people of the Gaza Strip to this day. Here in the United States, President Biden's sweeping new federal vaccine requirements will most certainly face a barrage of legal challenges alleging gross executive branch overreach. Yesterday, the president dramatically expanded the reach of vaccination requirements. Requiring through a rule OSHA is developing that all businesses with 100 or more employees ensure every worker is either fully vaccinated or gets tested at least one time a week. Requiring all workers in most healthcare settings that receive Medicaid or Medicare to be fully vaccinated. Requiring all federal executive branch employees and all employees of federal contractors to be fully vaccinated and requiring all Head Start educators and teachers and staff of all federally run schools to be fully vaccinated. In related news, the Epic Times reporting leaders with the Food and Drug Administration and other scientists are saying most people don't need vaccine boosters. You'll find the link to this in the description of this video. The article discusses how scientists are concerned if boosters are introduced too soon that could cause harmful side effects, ultimately affecting the public's acceptance of the vaccine. And finally, Jack Dorsey, Twitter's chief executive officer, is getting no love in Silicon Valley. This according to Breitbart.com, and an article will include a link to in the description of this video. Street art started popping up all over San Francisco, depicting Dorsey as the leader of the Taliban, playing off the word ban, pointing out that Republican political candidate Laura Loomer and cartoonist and Islam critic Bosch Faustin are both banned from the social media platform. I will say how incredibly annoying it is when I'm trying to reach out to someone for an interview and they've been banned on Twitter or YouTube. And it happens all the time. I see it all the time, especially with Christian content creators. And I know it's coming for Kingdom's Cornerstone News, so please be aware of the different ways you can watch KCN, which you can find links to on our main website, kcn.dakeev.com. All right, we'll be right back after this short commercial break. When there's a crisis, God wants us to be there, to care for those that are suffering. We have to do this. So many 
houses are collapsed, people are economically weak. It's a dire situation. There is a great need for outside help to fill this gap for medical needs. We had houses, we had money, we had all that. But now it's not safe in my country. We are human. We don't want to just survive. We want to live a real life. Sergeant Paz uh, is like a blessing from God. They are helping in many ways, providing water, food, and nutrition. I felt hope for the very first time, and now we'll never forget that feeling. We run to the fire, we don't run away from it. We're on a rescue mission, and we go in Jesus' name. Welcome back to the show. Last week, many honored those who lost their lives 20 years ago, September 11th, after terrorists took down the World Trade Center towers in New York and flew a plane into the Pentagon, which was the catalyst that got us into Afghanistan in the first place. And of everything I've seen this year discussing 9-11, one article sticks out. You'll find a link to it in the description, and it's called Decades Behind, Decades Before the 20th 9-11. Here with me today is Stephanie Quick. She wrote the article. Not only is she an author, she's a musician, a producer, a podcaster, and if that wasn't enough, she works with Frontier Alliance International in the Golan Heights, Israel. Stephanie, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. So you live and work in the Middle East. How did that come about? I, you know, I used to joke that I lost a bet, like, I I met the Lord in junior high, you know, went to youth group and stuff in high school, and it was in college that I really would say that I, I met the Lord in a way that it confronted my own ambitions for my life. But the Lord called me to, you know, put it really, really succinctly to be a messenger through media. So I thought I was going to end up in, like, Nashville or L.A. or something where there are epicenters of, of industry infrastructure. And he said, no, no, no. The word he gave me actually was you cannot take to them that which you do not know. And he sent me to a Bible college in, in the prayer movement stream. He sent me out to Kansas City. And that was then a catalyst that connected me. You know, it was like following the breadcrumbs on the bread trail for several years. And um, I met Dalton and Anna Thomas at a, a ministry in the South Pacific. We were working together for several years. And as the Lord was telling them it was time to shift to the Middle East, he was telling me, start start working towards this missional media production company that was on a values level quite separate from the industry. So none of those big cities would have worked. But I still didn't think, um, oh, I should follow them to the Middle East to do it there. That happened because we started working on the Covenant and Controversy film series on the issue and theology of Israel. And then... You know, I found myself waking up in the Middle East and fostering all these production projects. And there's a, a quote from William Wilberforce that I'd come across where he said, it is no less than desertion than to fly away from the post to which you've been assigned before you've been sent to another post. Like, just stay where you, you know, and that was, it didn't feel like word of the Lord, but I just thought, all right, I'll stay put. And now, 10 years later, here we are. <laughs> Incredible. So, so tell us about company. this article. How did this article come about? You know, it was the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and, and I am an American. I'm a military brat. I, I remember exactly where I was that Tuesday morning. And, you know, the, the America of 
September 10th, 2001 is no longer the America now. And, and I am not the, the young girl that I was September 10th, 2001. And so I didn't want to cheapen the anniversary, but I thought we have to, we wanted to acknowledge it in a dignified way, but also something that, um, anchored it in its place in, in history, not, not just in this generation. What would you say is the primary message of the article? The, the heart of this article, decades behind, decades before, was to say, look, guys, it's, it's been a long 20 years, but it's been a, a very sobering 20 years. And you are accountable for what you are given. You know, we see that principle throughout Scripture, and Jesus reiterates that through a number of parables. And, um, you know, again, I think Wilberforce also said, once once you've seen something, you can walk away, but you can no longer say you don't know. And I think, you know, if we're told in Matthew 24, the, the apostles asked the Lord, like, what is it going to look like in the days leading up to your return when you restore all things? And he said, well, you're going to see pandemics. You're going to see economic collapse. You're going to see wars and rumors of wars and, and ethnic tension, racial strife and all this conflict. And I'm not, I don't think that we are in the Great Tribulation, but I think it would be asinine to not look at what is happening and go, huh, this is unusual. You know, the, the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic is touching the earth with a, a severity and an immediacy that I just don't think has really happened. You know, I know we've had pandemics in the past, but the, the global nature of it, everybody's shutting down the economic implications, everything, you know, I, I feel like I can't think of something that touched the nations to this degree since the flood. And I'm often thinking as in the days of Noah, you know, so it will be when the son of man returns. And so the, the, the point to the article was to say, look, I'm, I can, I'm old enough now that I can remember where I was on 9-11, you know, but I'm in my mid thirties now, the 15 year olds today, I was 15 when that happened. The 25-year-olds today have no cognizant recollection of 9-11, and a lot of them weren't there. But I think that if we, as a millennial, you know, I'm like, if, if I'm going to leverage my life in a strategic, redemptive way, then I have to be able to look at Gen, Gen Z, Generation Alpha, you know, like the kids, the whippersnappers now coming up and go, look, we're heading into the rodeo and y'all need to pony up. And if I don't do it first, if I don't call this what it is first, I can't serve you to stand in the days ahead. And that's on me. Then your blood is on my hands. So the, the idea to the article was we, we remember, we acknowledge the loss and we grieve the loss. We honor every, all the first responders, all the lives that were lost. And humankind is barreling towards the day of the Lord. And we have to find where we are in the story so that we can partner with what the Lord is doing strategically and effectively in light of his eternal purposes, not only in our own generation or the next generation, but in eternity and redemptive history. What is he doing and how can we partner with it? And, you know, I think scripture lays that out for us. Absolutely. Now I hear the term never forget all the time on 9-11, especially this past 9-11, uh, but with recent events in Afghanistan, it seems to me like we've already mm. forgotten. I mean, we went there to make it safer so that we wouldn't get attacked on our own soil, and I'm not sure that it's safer. I mean, what do you think? 
I I think that there are decisions that have been made from, you know, the people in the power to make the decisions now that, you know, I say this as maybe maybe my maybe I'm biased because I'm an American, but as somebody who lives in the Middle East, you know, I've I've disagreed with things throughout the ne- the last several administrations. I'm not like just opposed to this administration, but you know, and I've seen some things that seemed reckless that had immediate and will have long-term consequences, but this in particular, I, you know, I was watching it like, <laughs> just, I would, I would, I would have made different decisions, but I'm not in the Oval Office. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that there are veterans who have stepped in and, and kind of soldiered back up to go pull people out and do some really incredible things. I think in a lot of ways we're seeing, um, a heroism and resiliency that is humankind at its best. Um, but I am disappointed that it, I didn't see that at some of the levels that I wish that we saw it. Stephanie Quick with Frontier Alliance International. We'll be sure to get your website in the description of this video as well so people interested in your work know where to go to find out more. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Hi, I'm Abby Johnson, the founder of And Then There Were None. Since 2012, we've helped almost 600 abortion clinic workers lead the abortion industry by providing a safety net of resources and assistance with healing. These courageous quitters, as we call them, are worthy of being celebrated. We would be honored if you would join us for the first time ever at our Black Tie fundraising event featuring former clinic workers whose lives have been forever changed with the help of our services. Their stories are changing the way America views abortion, and they can't wait to share them with you. It's all happening Saturday, September 18th at the Hilton Anatole Hotel in Dallas, Texas. Please enjoy complimentary registration at quittersball.com. Our vision is no abortion clinic workers, no abortion clinics, no abortions. It all starts with the workers. We hope to see you at And Then There Were None's first Quitters Ball. Thanks for staying with us. Next, we're going to do something a little bit out of the ordinary. There are times when Twitter is able to tell a story in a very compelling way. And recently, I came across a thread about a story out of the New York Times. Evan Hill was an author on the project, and it's from his Twitter account that we find all of this. We'll be sure to link to the article and the Twitter thread in the description of this video, but it does start off with, and I quote, The final act of the U.S. war in Afghanistan was a drone strike in Kabul that killed 10 people. Our latest investigation shows how a man the military saw as an imminent threat and ISIS facilitator was actually an aid worker returning to his family. The military said it believed Zamari Ahmadi's white Toyota Corolla, which it tracked by drone for eight hours that day, was packed with explosives. Security camera video we obtained showed him loading it with water containers for his home. I'll detail our findings in this thread. Ahmadi was a 14-year employee of Nutrition Education International, a U.S. NGO that fights malnutrition. He helped start up soy factories, repair machinery, transport his colleagues, and distribute food from his Corolla to displaced Afghans. 
August 29th, according to his family and colleagues, was a normal day for Ahmadi. He left his home around 9 a.m., picked up two colleagues and his boss's laptop, stopped for breakfast, and headed to the office in the Carte Set neighborhood. But the U.S. military was on high alert. Three days earlier, an Islamic State suicide attack at the Kabul airport had killed 13 troops and more than 170 Afghans. All threat warnings are flashing red, a senior official told us. They expected another attack. At around the time Ahmadi was picking up his colleagues, the U.S. military said it observed the white sedan emerge from an Islamic State safe house near Ahmadi's home. Five kilometers northwest of the airport, intercepted communications from the safe house gave the sedan instructions, they said. But at Matt Atkins interviewed all five men who were in the car with Ahmadi that day. They said that what the military interpreted as a series of suspicious moves represented a typical day in his life. He drove his colleagues around where they made plans for food distributions. The office security camera where we obtained is crucial to understanding what happens next. Though the camera settings are off, at Matt Atkins verified its time by visiting the office and at Sequetal matched what we see on camera with time-stamped satellite imagery. At 2.35, Amadi and a colleague fill several large plastic containers with water. The footage shows Amadi bring them to the office earlier that day. His brother told us his neighborhood suffered from a water shortage and that he routinely filled up containers at the office. At 3.38, a colleague drives Amadi's car farther into the dr office driveway. At roughly the same time, the military said the drone team saw Ahmadi's car pull into an unknown compound 8 to 12 kilometers southwest of the airport. The location of the unknown compound overlaps with the location of the NGO's office, and the military told us that they only saw the white sedan at one location that afternoon. We believe what the military called an unknown compound was in fact the NGO's office. With the workday ending, an employee switches off the office generator and the camera goes dark. The military said it now saw four men load wrapped packages into the car. Amadi's colleagues said they were stowing laptop bags, which the footage shows here earlier in the day. Amadi drops his colleagues off and turns into, onto his street. His and his brother's children surround the car, his relatives said. The family has a habit of letting kids steer the car into the courtyard of their home. Somehow, the military said the drone team sees none of this. The drone team hasn't been watching Amadi's home at all. They quickly scan the courtyard, an official told us, and see only an adult male talking to the driver. Fearing the car, which they believe has explosives, will soon head to the airport, they fire. The decision to strike does not flow down the typical chain of command because of the chaos of the Kabul airport evacuation, an official told us President Biden and the military have delegated the authority to approve airstrikes to lower level commanders. An MQ-9 Reaper drone fires one 20-pound Hellfire missile at the car. The military says that the strike sets off large secondary explosions suggesting the presence of a significant amount of explosives. Evan Hill goes on to say, We gathered photos and videos of the scene taken by journalists and at Matt Aikens visited the courtyard multiple times. We shared that evidence with three experts. All three agreed that the damage was consistent with a single hellfire strike and not large secondary explosions. 
There's one other detail visible in the wreckage, destroyed plastic containers identical to the ones that we saw Ahmadi and his colleagues fill with water and load into his trunk before heading home. The military told us they never saw them being loaded. The morning after the U.S. drone strike killed Ahmadi and nine others, the Islamic State did launch rockets at the airport, firing from an area that Ahmadi had driven through the previous day and using a white Toyota to do so. Our reporting concludes that the U.S. military struck a car parked inside a multifamily home in Kabul without knowing who the driver was, what he did for a living, or where he lived. Fearing an attack, they interpreted an average day in his life as the behavior of a terrorist. Four days before Ahmadi was killed, his employer had applied for his family to receive refugee resettlement in the U.S. At the time of the strike, they were still awaiting approval. Looking to the U.S. for protection, they became some of the last victims in America's longest war. You can watch the full investigation here on Evan Hill's Twitter account, which, again, we will be sure to link to in the description. I don't know what to do with this as a Christian. How do I process this? I mean, I didn't order this murder, but my country did. Who's guilty of the sin here? I feel a strong sense that we as Americans should repent of this murder. Someone should repent of this murder, this butchery of innocent life due to bad intel, which is a crime. Who's going to pay the cost of justice for these families? We must repent of this and do whatever is in our power to make sure this never happens again. And I don't pretend to know what that looks like, but I do know who to bring it to. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for you today. A couple reminders. You can catch the unedited B-Block interview wherever you watch Kingdom's Cornerstone News in a video product we call More B-Block. Also, you might be watching on Vimeo or YouTube, but there are several other platforms you can watch Kingdom's Cornerstone News on, and more B-Block for that matter. Gab TV and Odyssey also carry the show. And we've got links to everything on our main website, kcn.dekeev.com. And we just set up audio podcasts, so if you're into that kind of thing, you can check out our anchor page, and you can also listen to Kingdom's Cornerstone News on Spotify. We want to make sure that you can watch or listen to Kingdom's Cornerstone News regardless of the moral high ground or lack thereof of these tech giants. All right, I'm Jamie Kiever. We'll see you again next week.